Kili Shuateka Kiviti Hashem, Hakadosh Baruchu, please send Mashiach now. In Parsha Achare Mot, Vayikra 16, started there, that uh, this, for some reason I wrote Tehillim 26. Oh yeah, yeah, Slika. Uh, this, this is the overview, Slika. Okay, start over again. Vayigra 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 1, through chapter 20 and verse 27. That spans the section of the two Torah portions of this week for Akarimot and Kedoshim, which again, after the death and holy ones. The Tehillim of this week is Tehillim 26 and Tehillim 16. So those correspond to the Torah portions. So I want to go ahead and get into some Gematria. I want to introduce a new gematria that I have not really explained, but I have been doing, which I think is really cool because, you know, such as Torah, that you end up doing stuff and you don't even know what you're doing. Like, why are we wrapping our Talita, uh, Zit Zit? Why are we wrapping our Zit Zit around our pinky and pointing at the Torah, singing Vizot Torah? Like, why are we doing that? Or why are we not mixing meat and dairy? Uh, why are we lighting candles to start the Shabbat? What's this Havdala, Hav, Hava, Havdala? What's that service? <laughs> you know, like you don't even know what that is. Uh, third meal? What? Third meal? What do you mean third meal? I already eat three times today. It's like, well, yeah, this is the actual third time though. Because, you know, if you're like me on Shabbat, I eat like maybe, I try to eat a lot on Shabbat. But anyway, um, way more than three meals. But that's just me. Cause I'm crazy. But anyway, um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff we do and we're like, I don't know why. And then, you know, we tie that together with what we said before Shem, we will do and we will hear. And Shem's like, who told him my secret? These people, they need crowns. Come on, angels, go get them, go crown them. These are my children right here. These are my kids. I don't know. These are my kids right here. Other people whose kids are those, I don't know. But people who like, we don't even know what's in your Torah, Hashem, but we're just going to do it, and we're willing to do whatever you tell us to do. Hashem's like, oh, them my children right there. Okay, by the way, that's that's another meaning of what a Jew is. A Jew is a person who doesn't need to have it all figured out before they're doing it. You're just doing it because you're doing it for the sake of Hashem. You're doing it for the sake of heaven. You're doing it because, you know, it's the command of Hashem. Like, okay. So I'm supposed to wear a head covering. Don't really know why, but I'm doing it, you know, because that was me. I, I went from, you know, oh, we're about to pray. Okay, take my hat off, you know. And uh, and at the same time, I'd be wearing, you know, basketball shorts and a jersey top. And I was thinking, man, I'm so reverent before God. But anyway, but now it's like, oh, yeah, make sure you're dressed appropriately when you're getting ready to dive in. You know, don't have all stuff hanging out everywhere. Um, you know, cover yourself and wear a head covering, put your Toledo on if it's daytime, you know, kind of thing. And for Shakarit morning, morning prayers. But anyway, so with Hashem, it's like we, we start doing things even before we know why we're doing them. So this Gematria that I've been doing, where I get everything down to a single digit is called Mizpar Katan Mispari which is the integrated reduced or integral reduced value. 
And it says that this is the digital root of the standard value, which is obtained by adding all the digits and the number until the number is a single digit. Now, let's go for layman's terms on that, because if you're like me, even though I'm looking at it and reading it and seeing an example of it, I'm like, what What did they just say? The example is the Gamatria of Akare Moat is 665. So 6 plus 6 plus 5 is 17. Well, 1 plus 7 is 8. That's the Mispar Katan Mispari Gamatria of Akare Moat. So, if you want to get the, the MKM Gamatria on Akare Moat, the Gamatria is 8. And now, another point to why is Akare Moat talking about the uh, the outcome of Parsha Shimini. Nadav and Avihu uh, were, uh, were, they were killed and uh, Parsha Shimini. But now we're going to talk about the aftermath of that. And the gematria of this Torah portion happens to be eight as far as the, the MKM, the Mispari Katan, or the Mispar Katan Mispari. And so it's like, okay, so anything that has to do with eight, that's going to be in a car emote. So that's the first thing up. Because Parsha Shimini, Shimini comes from the word for eight. Now, the other thing you can do when you have Gematria is you can reverse the, the letters. You can reverse the numbers. Because as one former Lepidnik told me, the letters are the numbers and the numbers are the letters. And I was like, that is so legit. Now I see why Scrabble is a thing, you know. Because it's like, oh yeah, Akare Moat. And it's like, well, don't read Akare Moat. What is one of the other uh, ways you can read? Oh, Khatam Ori. Take the letters for Akare Moat and you can rearrange them to spell Khatam Ori, which is seal of my light. We'll talk about that in a second, Bezrat Hashem. But the actual numbers, though, of a Kari mode is 566. So you can say uh, 565. You can say 665 or 656 or 656. I want to make sure I get all those. But you can take these numbers and rearrange them. So... The 665 of Akari Mode, if you reverse it, is the Gematria of 566, which is the Gematria of Mashiach ben Yosef. So now we know that there's a two Torah portions together here. We know that there's two Mashiachs and two or one. And after the death, after the death of who? Mashiach ben Yosef comes the one who is Kadosh, the one who is reigning and ruling forever, the king who is called Melech HaKadosh, because Hashem is called the king who is holy, the holy king, that is Mashiach ben David. So now, Akare Mot, Kedoshim, stands for Mashiach ben Yosef, Mashiach ben David. So we're looking at the two Mashiachs and emulating them and seeing how the two are actually one. Coincidence? I think not. So Benny B of Ladder of Jacob, Shlita, and his commentary on the prophet from Galilee, 
He says the name of Yona ben Amitai means dove son of truth. That's brought down from Rabbi Daniel Krinsman, who comments on Yona's name. Yona's connection to this aspect of Mashiach ben Yosef may be hinted at his name Yona, which shares the same gematria as the concept of kolel as the word of sod. Also, the gematria of sod, when spelled out in its malui, which sod is samik vav dalit, so the way to spell samik is samik mem kaf, and then the way you spell vav is vav vav, the way you spell Dalit is Dalit Lamit Tav, which is called the Malui. So you can spell out each letter. And when you spell out each letter for the word Sod, it's equal to that of Mashiach Ben Yosef, which is also referenced in Kol Hator 298 and 2.148. And again, this is from Rabbi Daniel Krinsman on his writings of Yonah's Mashiach ben Yosef. All brought down by Benny B. Shlita, saying, putting this in simpler terms, the word Yonah, which Gematria is 71, is equivalent to the word Sod plus one. And it says, this method is called Im Kolel, which adds one for the value of the word itself. So though the Gematria of Akari Moda 665 if we wanted to do the im hakolel, it would actually be six sixty six. And I know dun da 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 six six six. Well, six 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 is actually not a bad number in Judaism, because guess what? Six plus six plus six is eighteen, which is high. And if you even wanted to do anything demonic with that number, like so much of humanity has done, what's going on in a parsha haremot? Talking about the one day that the Satan has dominion in the world, and that's on the day of Yom Kippur. But there is so much teshuva, so much stuff going on on Yom Kippur that his dominion can't be realized within the Jewish people, Bezrat Hashem, because the one day that Hashem has granted dominion to him, that Hashem is covering us in so much atonement, making us so invisible that it's just like, wow. So even if you wanted to look at a Kare mode in a very kind of disturbed way because it can be 666 in Gematria, then guess what? If you're clothed in Hashem's righteousness, you're, you're covered. You're literally covered. Because the thing is, the Satan would have to go find the Azazel goat, and then he'd have to go bring it back into the camp, before the other goat is offered to Hashem. If he can do that successfully, then he may have a chance. But remember, we have the merit of the Akedah. We have the merit of Abraham's circumcision. We have the merit of the lamb who was slain before the world. We have the merit of the fasting. We have the merit of our repentance. We have the merit of Torah. We have the merit of forgiveness because on Yom Kippur, we should be forgiving each other. We should hold no one uh, accountable for their sins against us. And there should be so much reconciliation going on, which also dispels plague. And not to mention we're wearing all white, 
Not to mention Hashem has already purified us just from entering into the day of Yom Kippur. And if you follow the customs of immersing yourself into a mikvah, then as you go into Yom Kippur, you're actually considered to be a newborn babe already. So you got redemption on redemption on redemption, atonement on atonement on atonement, renewal on renewal on renewal, and betool on betool on betool. Betool is the word for nullification, which also rearranges to the word for tabul, which means to immerse in a mikvah. So there's a whole lot to really get through. I mean, if you really are, are Jewish and, and whatnot on Yom Kippur, in order for 666 to really be a problem. But anyway, I digress. So the word sowed when spelled out with the method called Malui is the equivalent of 566, which again is the Sangamantra's Mashiach ben Yosef. So, Yona, when you spell out Yona, is 71, which equals sowed plus 1, because sowed equals 70. And when you add the 1, you have 71. So then when you spell out sowed, it equals Mashiach ben Yosef. So the dove, who is... Like in the, the mystical aspect is the Mashiach. Is basically what this is pointing down. Because within the Sod you find the dove who is Yona, and that's Mashiach ben Yosef. So there's a whole big thing about Yona being the Messiah ben Yosef because he's actually the one from Galilee who was rejected. And he was preaching the message of repentance. And everybody was like, can anything good come out of Galilee? No, we don't want to listen to this guy. This guy's this guy's crazy. Mashiach comes from Galilee, comes preaching repentance. And they're like, can anything good come out of Galilee? This guy's crazy. And then after the destruction of the second temple, because this is in the Midrash or Bafra Parsha told out, the Jews had to hold up in lower Galilee and bait Ramon, the house of pomegranate, during the whole, are we going to get to rebuild the temple in 130 CE? You know, uh, and then the Samaritans are coming in like, no, nah, King, don't let them do it. Specifically, the Kuthians who inhabited the Samaria area. And uh, they were like, no, nah, King, tell them that they have to change how to build a temple and change where they build a temple. If you get them to do that, then they won't build it. They can, you're telling them they can still build, which is really saying, you know, your decree went out, you can build a temple. Well, let's modify your decree by saying, well, you can build it, but you have to move the location and you have to change the specs. And because of that, we can't build a temple because you can only build a temple according to the way Hashem said to build it. If not, then we'd be setting up an idol for ourselves. And the Jews who were forced to go to Lord Galilee, which is where they said, can anything good come out of Galilee? They're like, well, guess we don't get to build a temple. And what? Thousands of years later, we still haven't gotten to build a temple. Case in point, Hashem's going to build a temple and we're not going to have to worry about all that uh, politics stuff. Next up on Gematria, the standard Gematria of Akari Mot. Again, we said it's 665. 6 plus 6 plus 5 is Tov, which is uh, 
the gematria of 17, Tov and 17 out of saying gematria. We also have that Yeshua, the name Yeshua, which the gematria of that is 386. 3 plus 8 plus 6 is also 17. So why do you call me good? And it's like, well, because the Torah is good and because you, Yeshua, are the Torah. There's that. Torah is called a good teaching, by the way, uh, brought down by the uh, commentary in the Proverbs. Goes on to say that the ordinal gematria. So remember, if you line up the letters and count from 1 to 22, what's the 13th letter? What's the 14th letter and all that? The ordinal gematria of Akare Mot, when you add those together, the ordinal gematria is 80. 80 is the gematria of Pei. And then it also says that uh, you can look at the wisdom of the number 80. So let me go ahead and open that up. Jewish wisdom of the numbers. I'm just loving how Hashem has just so much information. I've been putting together this drosh for about three days or four or 50. Not really 50, but it sometimes feels like it. It's been super fun. I kind of lost track of time. And there's just so much stuff. So it says 80 is identified with the phrase all your might, with all your might. So I want to speak specifically to the Avengers on this because the Parsha of Akare Mot is teaching us how to die to ourself so that we can receive all of our might. So in other words, all these superpowers and abilities that we see that our characters have, those become available to us in the spiritual world to bring out into the physical through our, again, our actions, how we live and things like that. It's not necessarily because you study so amazingly that you're a Avenger or that because you pray so well or because you're just like, you're brilliant or whatever, but it's literally in, in the way you live, you know, the way you, the way you uh, perceive God and your dynamic and relationship and interaction with creation so that, you know, you're, you're bringing these things down. So again, so the primary way you do this is with how you speak. So as we're in this week of Akari Mo, one of our uh, upgrades that's going on right now is Hashem saying, I need you to act, I need you to operate with all your might. And the way to do that is to freely offer yourself in dying to yourself. Freely lose yourself in my righteousness, in my Torah. And I love it because it says it's man's ability to extend himself and overpower the opposition. You know, there are some things that are in our lives. Okay, back to the world now, talking to everybody. Some things in our lives that are just seem so overwhelming, so daunting. And Hashem's like, Akari Mo, after you die to yourself, these things will not be daunting. After you let go of your own agenda, let go of your own ability and put your trust in me and do what I'm calling you to do. Guess what? You're going to have the ability to extend yourself and overpower the opposition. So, you know, that, that, uh, 
I don't know, drug problem, uh, addiction, that anger problem, that laziness problem. You're going to be granted the ability to leap over that. So page 330 says the force of might within the number 80 is not exclusive to the Jewish priesthood. The penchant to excel is an inbuilt drive, one that is deeply and often unconsciously buried within the Jewish psyche. Throughout history and every endeavor in which they have dabbled, Jews have excelled like no other people. Jews have always been at the forefront in attempts to bravely push the boundaries. Even when dealing with secular, academic, or scientific disciplines, historians have marveled at their accomplishments, that they are truly disproportionate to their minuscule size. Again and again, the Jewish nation refuse to conform to natural rules. They regularly confound all expectations placed upon them. This phrase, again and again, the Jewish nation refused to conform to natural rules. They regularly, say regularly, confound all expectations placed upon them. In other words, you think, man, I'm not, I'm not that cool. I can't do this. I don't have it within me. There's just no way in the world that could be done. Hashem's like, have you read a car remote? Do you know about the number 80? Their capacity to mightily overpower opposition is best employed in religious matters. This sees a Jew conquering his evil inclination triumphing over personal adversity and living a supernatural existence by observing the exalted level of Torah. I'm just going to read that whole thing again. Their capacity to mightily overpower opposition is best employed in religious matters. The capacity we have to mightily overpower ourselves? Are you eating kosher? Are you studying the Torah portion? Are you davening? Are you rapping to feeling if you're a guy? Are you dressing zanute if you're a woman? Guys, we need to dress zanute too. But I just want to say, between men, women, and children alike, all of us, what 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 are some of the observances that we can do? Because we need to do them because when we do it, Guess what? You're going to unleash that capacity to mightily overpower any opposition. You're going to conquer your Yetzer Hara and you're going to triumph over personal adversity and you're going to live a supernatural existence because of this observance. And this, my friends, is why being Avengers and being Lapidim and being Sarshalomis is so legit because we defy the natural because we exalt Hashem's exalted Torah 
and we bring in the supernatural into our lives by doing so. So, that's one thing with the car remote. All about the 80. Oh, man. Okay, so, the Atbash. So now you remember how there's a mirror letter for each alphabet. Again, the same thing works in the constellations. I was telling us how the months, you know, you do all the months from Nisan to Adar. And then you do all the months from, uh, like, backwards. So put, um, what is that, Alul? So Alul is with Adar. Nisan's with Tishrei. ER's with Cheshvan, you know, and so forth. So Aleph... To Tav, well, Tav is now, if you do the mirror, it's going to be with Olive. Sheen's going to be with Bet, you know, and so on and so forth. I keep thinking I should have a chart in front of me so that I can do this because it's kind of hard to put it all together in my head right now. But anyway, let's call it Atbash. It's like the mirror stuff. The mirror of Ahare Mot is 594 in Gematria. And when you do... Let's see if I did 594. Or did I swerve off into oblivion and never come back? Show did. <laughs> I did. I, I swerved off from 594 and never came back. But in the meantime, while I pull this up, because I'm going to do some gematria, pun intended, on the fly. It says 5 plus 9 plus 4 is 18, which is the gematria of Chai which is life. The other gematria of Chai being 18, if you look at the wisdom and the numbers, it's all about this process of judgment and introspection, which, by the way, is known as prayer. And when you look at judgment and introspection, it says this deepens and strengthens the relationship with Hashem. We ascend to a higher spiritual level. Prayer is the means to draw close to God. Our relationship with God defines the lifeline of a Jew. He is alive when he reverently relates to God through tefillah and humble subservience. The whole thing about Chai is all about that life, that lifeline. And through prayer which is us bringing about judgment upon ourselves and introspection we're going to deepen our relationship with Hashem because if you're going to judge yourself heaven's not going to judge you because when there's judgment below there's no judgment from above which is again judge how you want to be judged right so when you judge have righteous judgment so when you really look at this aspect you're coming to Hashem already saying you know what I, I ain't right Hashem, I thought, and I was like, I was wrong. Please have mercy on me. Please help me to to get right. <laughs> and whatever uh, damages and whatever uh, blemishes that I've brought on myself, please show me so that I can confess it before you. Because when you enter into that confession, oh, that's where the power is. Oh, my gosh. Vocalizing these things out. Hashem. I punched somebody right in their holy of holies today. And, and that, I am so embarrassed that I did that. And uh, I just want to confess that that was anger. And I put myself in a place of idolatry. This is a very hyperbolic example. So 
I don't go around punching people. I know I'm very violent. I like talking about violence, but you know, Brugashim. But anyway, for but in this example though, Shalom, we go around punching people in their holy of holies. Like that's just we we don't need to do that. Uh, but anyway, the holy of holies is the mouth. By the way, punching people in the mouth. So, you confess before Hashem. You punch somebody you didn't want you. You, you I mean, you meant to do it, but you you want to ask for forgiveness for it. You obviously, hopefully, if if you haven't, you will apologize to the person. You're now figuring out, okay, so that was anger. I put myself underneath the dominion of the Summit Mem. And, uh, you know, so Yetzahara all day. I myself have embodied uh, wickedness and evil and darkness in the world. I've now uh, delayed the redemption and all this kind of stuff. And I brought sickness in the world because our sins, they do that. So you're confessing all this, right? So as you're doing this, you're bringing judgment upon yourself. And what you're actually doing with that, especially when you're resolving to change it, resolving to fix it, resolving to acknowledge, okay, that was wrong. I can't go around punching people. Guess what? You're now deepening your relationship and strengthening your relationship with Hashem, ascending to a higher level, and you are um, you're defining your lifeline and you're bringing yourself into humble subservience to Hashem and drawing close to him. And as you do that, there's a whole, a whole like brand new phase of reality that you're creating for yourself. So hopefully that makes sense. But I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous because you're thinking that was a horrible thing to do. Why did I do that? I thought I loved Hashem, but I realized that, okay, I do, but I need some help. And now I'm here, I'm getting help. Hashem's like, thank you. I need you to start there. Okay, so that's the importance of 18. And again, 1 plus 8 is 9. 9, by the way, has to do with time, which is why 9 has the form of like a spiral. It represents the letter Tet which also the way you write it, it looks like almost like a spiral. It's like a basket with a little curve into the inside of it. And that has to do with the cycles of time. Everything goes in a circle and we're spiraling around a central point. And best right Hashem, one day that central point will be uh, approached and uh, entered into, which will be the final redemption. So we are actually, uh, you know, in charge of, whether or not we'll spiral into the redemption or whether we will continue to circle it and, and not approach it. Because as we go through every year, as we go through every month, as we go through every Torah portion, as we go through every Yom Tov, like we should be ascending and ascending and ascending, which as we do that, that means we're renewing ourselves. We're getting transformed. You know, we're learning, we're growing, we're maturing you know, and as we do that, we're actually ascending higher on this spiral of time and getting really, really close to that central point. So the goal is to keep going with that. Okay, so 594 and Gematria. It's very, very interesting here. 
It is Pakodti. I will remember you. Wow. Get you some. Okay. Zidkat, which all again has to do with righteousness. So, that being the case, we're looking at a Kare Moat, and we're talking about after the death, right? Well, Mashiach told us that, you know, as we celebrate the Seder, Pesach, and we're eating the, the lamb, he said, take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Now again, the way we eat the lamb today is through eating the matzah, which are the mitzvot. So we're evoking remembrance, which again, Hashem delivering us is all about him remembering us. And Mashiach said, well, I need you to remember me because Hashem is going to remember you kind of thing. Because when you partake of me, like after my death, you're evoking remembrance. So you're remembering me, and then the the meter can get meter measure for measure. I'll remember you, Slika. So just a very very uh, neat thing about re the remembering the death of the righteous, you know, and understanding the atonement that comes from that, and really taking to heart what Mashiach actually did for us. Because, you know, anybody could die, but not everybody is willing to. Because if you think about the Messiah's death, like, okay, yeah, so he died for the sins of the world. He did that before the world was created. And now, after experiencing the world and living in it, he still chose to die. He still chose to willingly lay his life down. How many people can you count? that are willing to do that that on top of being willing to do that are innocent and blameless before Hashem because okay other people can die for you but they're not innocent and blameless before Hashem because who can say that they're without sin only the one who knew no sin that became sin that's the only one who can say I have no sin, but yet I'll die for you. And isn't it interesting that the Mashiach never said I, I am, like he never said I am sinless, I am uh, holiness and righteousness, I am, uh, you know, I'm so pure before God and I'm going to give my life for you. He never said that, which is really, really cool because the moment we begin to boast and brag, that's where the problems come in. That's why people got Zarat, you know, because they start boasting and bragging. But anyway, uh, so, so yeah, it's going to be really hard to find people like that. And if you do, you know, uh, we need to lock them up and put them in a lab and experiment on them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> there was a, uh, yes, I'm going to rabbit trail for a second that there was a uh this video that went around on youtube or something talking about 
um, the guy looking for a wife or whatever, and they say, well, if you're going to look for a wife, there's two scales. There's the the hotness scale, like how how good she looks, and then there's the the crazy scale, like how crazy is she? Because you can find, you know, uh, a nice lady who is really pretty, but she can be like super crazy. Or you can find a super crazy person who's like uh, not very pretty. Or you can find a not really crazy person who's not very pretty. Or you can find a pretty person who's not crazy at all. He says, and if you find those people, then we need to take them, put them in the lab and experiment on them. And I was just like, that is so horrible. But anyway, it was definitely a joke. And, uh, you know, unfortunate as that is, you know, that that's kind of the, the, what is it? The hyperbole mentality of, okay, well, anybody can die for our sins and, you know, and they can be considered righteous and bring us atonement. It's like, okay, that's true. I get it. I, I know what you're trying to do here. And, but just realize that in reality, that's actually not the way to go about things. We can't go around just like you can't go around saying, okay, well, I found a pretty woman. She's a 10. Okay. That's, uh, is that on the the crazy scale or the beautiful scale? It's like, well, okay. I don't want to answer that question. Right. So same thing. If you got the Zodic here, you're like, okay, well, a Zodic who dies. Okay. That means that they're a person. And they have sin in their life because whether or not they were Torah observant their whole entire life, the fact that they were born is a blemish because when a man and woman come together to conceive the, uh, the seed of the serpent is involved in that, the blemish of that, which is why we all die. So the Zodic is going to die, but he's going to have the sin of the serpent within his DNA. So though he can die for us and though he has righteousness and that can be accredited to us for atonement, how much more so someone who is actually righteous, that doesn't have any blemishes, that would never die, but yet they choose to die. So I'm just going to ask, which which Zodic are you going to go with and which Zodic are you going to choose and what level of righteousness is acceptable for you or not? Because that's really the question we got to ask ourselves. It's not really, is the Mashiach a, a legitimate uh, kosher Zodic that we should put our faith in? It's like, okay, we could put our faith in Mashiach. Okay, cool. And it's like, well, just remember, he's a Zodic whose death brings you atonement. It's like, mm, let's stop right there. Because there was nothing that would literally give him cause to die. Mashiach would have literally never died if Hashem didn't command him to just like Moses except Moses by the way had sin in his life but the only way he died was because Hashem told him to so if the Messiah being greater than Moses is a thing and it is okay so he didn't have any sin in his life and yet Hashem still commanded him to die and he did so, I mean, that's that's kind of the world of separation that we're looking at here. Like, you can have a, a, a Zodic that you cleave and attach yourself to. That's, I mean, that's great. That's really awesome. But if you know, of, if you know that any Zodic 
all these Zadikin that are that are out there that are uh, pronounced and you can believe in them. I mean, it's it's really cool. And yes, there are people who are Zadiks. You know, but the thing is, is that as mankind, even though we are righteous, we still sin. There's none of us who can say we're without sin. So. Hashem and his awesome grace is allowing us to have a Zodic that we cleave and attach ourselves to whose death can bring atonement for us. But the thing is, the Mashiach Yeshua is the ultimate Zodic and the only true Zodic who has no sin. The only sin that the Messiah had upon himself that he was able to put on the tree and curse it to death was what he willingly accepted upon himself. He said, you know what? What's accredited to them, bring that bring that debt over into my bank account and I'll pay for it and let their accounts go back to zero. You know, put them back in the in good standings. And then furthermore, because they've exchanged accounts with me, now the merit that I have will be uh put in their account. But I'll take all the debt and uh, we'll we'll dispose of this. And I mean, that's that's just kind of like if, if you really think about the implications of that with understanding all of our sources in Judaism about, you know, the death of a Zodic, the death of a righteous person brings atonement and the priestly garment brings atonement and all that kind of stuff. OK, well, let's let's look at the actuality of that found in the Messiah. These are all the other things are all shadows but the reality and the substance of it is found in the Messiah. So that's the difference. Because the next gematria here for Akhare Mot is rearranging the letters for Khotam Or, which is the seal of my light, where Hashem's seal is truth. So we know that truth and light and the word of God are the same. The Torah is light. The Torah is truth. And then it says that the seal of light is after death. In Yochanan 11.25 through Yochanan 11.26, Yeshua said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, and who shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? So, the li- the resurrection and the life, which means whatever form of death is taking place here, there's going to be life that results from it. And this is Hashem's seal. That the very truth and the very light of the word of God occurs after a death. Remember, before creation was brought to light, pun intended, there was a death. Death of what? Death of the lamb that was slain before the foundation. Then, before the light of the redemption was brought forth, the light of the uh, the light of the resurrection was brought forth. There was the death of the Messiah, and then came the light. So, the seal of Hashem's light is intricately connected to after death which is where resurrection and life can now come in and take its place 
It's hard to resurrect something if it's not dead. Anyway, the Ruhi Emet, my spirit of truth. Yochanan 14, 15 through verse 17 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, so he may be with you forever. Here it is. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not behold him or know him. You know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The Ruki met my spirit of truth. True is my spirit, true is my Torah. So loving Hashem and keeping his commandments is all about the spirit of truth being in you. If you're a son of light, if you're a son of truth, that's why you can that's why Mashiach can say, Well, yeah, you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And this is your helper. He'll be with you forever. He's going to uh, cause you to love me and keep my commandments. Again, this is the Torah talking to us. The Torah that we read on a constant basis is telling us that if you love me, then you'll keep my commandments. And the spirit of truth in you is what causes you to be able to behold me and love me. You know, and it's just kind of like crazy to think about. After the death of Mashiach ben Yosef, because again, we're talking about after the death of Mashiach ben Yosef, that is ultimately. So, G. Shekel Shlita brings down from his commentary on Akari Mote. In this regard, Rabbi Chaim ben Moshe ben. Ibn Atar, which is known as the Or Hachaim Hakadosh, explains in Vayikra 14.9, Leviticus 14.9, that the death of the Messiah from the line of Joseph acts as atonement for the entire generation. Or Hachaim saw in the death of the Messiah from the line of Joseph an aspect of the principle that the death of the righteous brings atonement. This concept that the death of the righteous atones is one which stands true throughout Jewish history and is not unique to the generation of the redemption. All the, all the same, there are things that characterize the deaths of the righteous in the generation of the redemption. The Shela, which is Rabbi Yeshayahu Horowitz, explains in his monumental commentary, Shnei Lukotabri. The Mashiach ben Yosef, when he comes, does not come in order to establish his own dynasty. Rather, he comes to re help reestablish the Davidic dynasty. So what was true of the kingdom of David upon the earth? A man after God's own heart. A man who was quintessential in teshuva, prayer, Torah, mitzvot. Just saying, the Mashiach, his whole mission, well, not his whole mission, but part of it is to reestablish that. So, therefore, if you really have accepted the the ministry of the Mashiach ben Yosef, then you're really talking David. You're really talking Torah. 
It says he will even sacrifice his own life in order to accomplish this. His blood will atone for the sins of the Jewish people. His atonement will take form of the Davidic dynasty being restored to the Jewish people as an everlasting kingdom. Hence the Mashiach ben David. Zohar, Sonsino Press Edition, Section 3, page 218a. Why is it that whenever sinners multiply in the world and punishment impends over the world, the virtuous among them are smitten? As we have learnt that the guilt of the generation, that for the guilt of the generation, the holy and righteous are seized upon. Why should this be? If because they do not reprove mankind for their evil deeds, how many are there who do reprove but are not listened to? Though the righteous do humble themselves before them, if it is in order that there that there may be no one to shield them, let them die and let them not be seized for their sins, since it is a satisfaction to the righteous to see their destruction. So, why should the righteous people be seized? It says, if they do not reprove mankind, okay, because we're supposed to reprove mankind if we're righteous. So we humble ourselves before people, even though we're not listened to. It says, if it is in order that there may be no one to shield them, let them die, let them not die. So we got the righteous here not being listened to. And so we're asking, why should the righteous be seized? And it's saying, well, if it's in order that there may be no one to shield them, let them not die and let them not be seized for their sins. Pointing out over here again that even these righteous people, they have sins and they need a shield. And it says, it's a satisfaction to the righteous to see their destruction. Wow. So we're trying to cover people. They're not listening to us. And so, you know, they don't have a shield right now. But if the righteous person would die, they would become the shield for those people. He replied, it is true that for the guilt of the generation. Again, this is Shemot. Uh, this is a Bami Bar. Zohar, section 3, 218a. It is true that for the guilt of the generation, the righteous are seized upon. But we may explain this on the analogy of limbs of the body. When all the limbs are in pain and suffering from sickness, one limb has to be smitten in order that all be healed. Which one? The arm. The arm is smitten and blood is drawn from it. And this is healing for all the limbs of the body. So men are like limbs of one body. When God desires to give healing to the world, he smites one righteous man among them with disease and suffering and through him gives healing to all. As it is written, but he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and with his stripes, we are healed. Yeshiyahu 53.5 A righteous man is never afflicted, save to bring healing to his generation and to make atonement for it. For the other side, which is anti-holiness, 
uh, prefers that punishment shall light upon the virtuous man rather than on another, for then it cares not for the whole world on account of the joy it finds in having power over him. This is what Ishpela was talking about, by the way, uh, that, you know, there is this aspect of where there should have been light. You know, once that light goes away, i.e. that that righteous person dies, then now the other side can take over and, and get power from that because in a place where there used to be light, which shines no more, now we can go ahead and fill that up. And it's like, well, when we when we do sins in our life, we take away the light and we give power to the darkness because instead of bringing light, we brought darkness. Because it's like we created this space. So the other side's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather you uh, that you that you punish this virtuous person rather than uh, on another because it. Because, again, the other side, the forces of darkness and purity, they care not for the world on account of the joy it finds in having power over him. So, again, if we can take away the holiness, take away the light, take away Torah, then now we're able to nourish and have power for the darkness. The idea of a single Zadok atoning for his entire generation is found in Kabbalistic literature in Derech Hashem. Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato goes as far as stating that there can be a more, that there can even be a more highly perfected Zadok who can not only atone for his generation, but also for all generations. And this is what is in the writing to the Hebrews, chapter 9, 11 through 14. It says, in the context of Yom Kippur, the book of Hebrews expresses that the Yom Kippur Korban of Yeshua was superior to that of the annual animal Korban. It says, both provided forgiveness of sin and both required faith. The difference, as Hebrews explains is that Yeshua's work was the shed blood of the divine heavenly Zodiac. It affected a permanent atonement for all those who trust in him and walk in the way of Torah. Because why? Derek Hashem says that there can be an even more highly perfected Zodiac who can not only atone for his generation, but even for all generations, i.e. a permanent atonement. So I know that's kind of choppy and dicey and crazy, but... There's this whole aspect here of the righteous being afflicted so that they can bring atonement to the world. And the righteous are people who are trying to reprove mankind and we're trying to, to help people, you know, forsake evil, turn to righteousness. And... All we can do is humble ourselves before people and, and pray that they listen. But if they don't listen, you know, it's just kind of a, 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 a interesting predicament where you're trying to shield them, but they're throwing off their shield, you know, because the very, the very message that the Zodics are preaching is what would actually cause those people 
to become shield for somebody else. And if you take out the Zodic, if you take out, you know, the people who are trying to reprove and trying to re preach the message of repentance, now the side of evil, the side of impurity can now be fed and nourished and create more and more death, more and more chaos in the world because there's no righteousness in the world. So that's kind of a, a chunky uh, section of Zohar to go through. And, and there, again, there are so many facets in there that you can really look at because the, the Zadok who is rejected ultimately becomes a shield for the person who rejected them. And that's kind of a interesting paradox. But at the same time, that Zadok who was teaching the person who was rejecting them had that person received the message and not rejected the Zodic, then they themselves would have became a shield as opposed to throwing away their shield because they would have received this reproof, been transformed, and then they would have been in turn going to someone else to uh, reach out to them. And such is the reason why Mashiach said, I'm, I'm sending you out into the four corners of the earth so that you can go make Talmudim of all the nations. Because when you do that, you'll actually remove darkness from the world. But until Mashiach returns, may we continue to be found with the seal of Hashem's light, filled with His Spirit of Truth, uh, increasing our lifeline with Hashem, and attaching ourselves to the good, and speaking forth truth and wisdom, salvation, Redemption. Kili Shuateka Kiviti Hashem. Hakadosh Baruchu, please send Mashiach now.